It didn't listen to me. It walked out of the thicket. It turned around and looked at me. They looked up, and in this tree, there was a monkey man. And the monkey man jumped down out of the tree and started running away. And suddenly, they're right in front of the car. He slams on the brakes and manages to stop. And he's skidding because it's not quite, you know, um, gravelling. And for literally for about a second and a half, they just stood there because they don't know where to go. And you tell them panicking, they're like ripping up thing. Their face is like twitching. Bigfoot Society. This is your host, Jeremiah Byron. Every week I talk to different people in the cryptozoology field. You never know who's going to be on next week. If you'd like to sponsor the show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the Bigfoot Society. You get access to a ton of things there, including a close-knit cryptid community on Discord where you can connect with like-minded cryptid researchers and enthusiasts, weekly bonus content, the ability to hang out with each week's guest after the main show, exclusive merch, and much, much more. In this episode, I get to talk to new friend Eric Mentel from Eric Mentel Investigates on YouTube. Uh, Eric's got some wild stories. Uh, his investigation that he shares about the Beast of Bray Road is going to be a version... I'm at a loss for words still. You just got to listen to this episode there's going to be stuff in here that you're not expecting. Uh, it's a good one. So definitely sit back, relax, and enjoy this uh, interview with Eric Mintel from Eric Mintel Investigates. All right, Bigfoot Society. So thanks for coming back to another episode. I've got a new friend here with me, Mr. Eric Mintel from Eric Mintel Investigates. How's it going, dude? Good. Oh, man, it is incredible. I mean, it's just blowing up big time, man. Oh man. Um <laughs> so I'm I'm a, a newer fan of your your stuff but the stuff you're making is so cool. Let's start okay. with like we'll start with a little background so people know what your story is and uh, so what you sent with me uh, sent to me I'll I'll just kind of do a summary of it. So first off, you're you're a jazz musician, which is really cool. And you've done things like you've performed for President Clinton back in the 90s, President Obama in 2011. Uh, you were at the uh, Kennedy Center, all this crazy stuff. So you're like an awesome musician, but also you're a parano paranormal investigator. And you're going all over the place, all over the U.S. You're based out of Pennsylvania, but you're going to places like New Jersey, Wisconsin. Um, you know, here we're more into the cryptic stuff, but you're into everything, dude, which yeah. is really cool. And I just think that's a really, really fun story. Is there anything else that you want the audience to know oh, man, uh, before well, we go into it? You know, it's well, I, I'm a jazz pianist, and uh, one okay. of my one of my mentors in jazz, maybe some of your listeners would know, is a gentleman by the name of Dave Brubeck. Whoa, yeah. So Dave was a very good friend of mine. He wrote liner mm. notes for my CDs, and oh, uh, wow. I learned a lot of life lessons from Dave as far as work ethic as a jazz musician, because. As musicians, we need to work constantly, you know, and uh, so it was uh, it was a great association. And uh, Dave passed in 2012, mm. but uh, really learned a lot from him. And he and his wife were really great to me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, there's uh, we performed a, a private concert, too, at the uh, United Nations. So, wow. you know, just a lot. Of, I You know, our type of jazz with my jazz quartet, it's Eric Mintel Quartet. You know, we uh, we do a lot of original music and I've even written a tune called Bigfoot. Oh, really? And that's a, awesome. And a, and another tune we're starting to perform called The Beast of Bray Road. So, you know, oh. it's funny how a lot of the paranormal investigations we do find their way into my music, too. Dude, that is that is so cool. How are you going to be able to uh, to listen? Is your music available all over the place or is that oh, yeah. a special place where? No, no, no. It's available on iTunes, Spotify. You guys can just check it out. Eric Mintel Quartet. Uh, we haven't recorded Bigfoot yet, but we're going to be doing that in uh, next month, as a matter of fact. So, oh man, yeah, that is that is really really cool. Uh, that kind of leads into a question that I was going to ask ask you. Um, 
but maybe there's other stuff too. Have you found there's any weird overlaps between your works or skills as a jazz musician and a paranormal investigator? I mean, anything that's kind of overlapped there? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, well, you know, I've always loved the paranormal always, ever since I was a kid, loved the paranormal. I'm an only child. So my father always told me stories of, and he always had weird experiences with UFOs, ghosts, um, and we were just talking about this the other day. Vi- he vividly remembers. We used to live in an area called uh, Upper Black Eddy, which is in Bucks, Upper Bucks County. And one night around, and this is in the mid-70s, he came home one night, sat on the front porch, came home from work, and he put a steak on the grill. And as he's cooking the steak, he happens to look over. And we lived across the street from the Delaware River, where Washington crossed the Delaware, that Delaware River. He looks over and sees this white figure of a woman floating like down the river and as as she's floating she looks at my dad and from like 500 yards away her face came right up to his and and then she turns back and she goes back again and she just slowly drifted away and he swears that that happened and she kept saying i'm going home i'm going home oh man very creepy so this this whole area that we live in is is very very paranormal very a lot of history there's a lot of history around here a lot of ties to the underground railroad mm, yeah. um, and so one of the reasons why i started originally i started it as bucks county paranormal investigations but sure. we, re- we recently rebranded to eric mintel investigates because we're going all over the country and telling great stories and uh, you know focusing on ghosts bigfoot ufos uh and now dogman you know, the, the beast of Bray road. And, and I'll tell you another story later on too, that we just are, are looking into uh, a friend of mine, Tom Carey, which I'm sure some of your listeners would know. He is the authority on Roswell on the Roswell crash has written several books, uh, talked to witnesses who actually saw the bodies and the, and held the crash debris. But uh, Tom is also an anthropologist so we're talking about, and he kind of gave us a great classification of what Bigfoot really is and how, how to classify it. So, um, but we'll talk about that later. But yeah, it's just, we got a lot to talk about for sure. Oh man. And I want to point out the uh, elephant in the room. Uh, <laughs> I, you noticed I've gone to a different view for the audience on YouTube. You got a killer ET in, over I your shoulder. Him. That's awesome, dude. He's my, he's my, he's a screen accurate, like uh, wow uh, size too. So he's not, he's uh yeah, he's my co-host. That's, that's like actual ET size. Yeah. Right? He's right now, he's on a box, but he's, he stands about three and a half feet tall. I love it. If I had that, I would like, you know, one day I would put a little blonde wig on him, like in the movie <laughs> and like all that stuff. And dude, exactly. I love it. I love exactly. it. He's the, awesome. the, Everybody's got to have an ET, man. You got it. The humor that, so I want to point out listeners, if you haven't checked out Eric's YouTube videos, one, they're awesome. <laughs> Two, if you're into stuff like, uh, and hopefully you take this the right way. If you like stuff like uh, Josh Gates stuff, like Destination Truth, um, that and there's like it's paranormal, but there's humor in there and the Ghost Adventures a little bit too. Yeah. You're gonna love this. And but the thing is, like, you do some serious investigation uh, in these videos. But before we get into that, I want um, just a weird off question. Because I've never talked to anyone who's performed for President Clinton. Yeah. What's it like to perform for President Clinton in the late 80s or late 90s? That's so crazy. Well, it was it was incredible. I mean, uh, just a, a short story. I wanted to try to take my music to another level, you know, and mm. I just didn't want to do the bar scene and, and all that kind of stuff and just, you know, make minimum of what we can make as jazz musicians. So I feel because I, I love the music that much. I thought it was, you know, it, the integrity of the music needs to be, uh, you know, strong. So mm-hmm. I went right to the top. I went right to the White House and I asked, I called the White House and I said, do you have any pr- uh, programs where you send musicians around to perform? And originally I thought maybe we, they would send us around to perform for troops overseas, okay. um, maybe for the homeless, some kind of thing, some kind of positive outreach with jazz. So I sent in a CD that I had at the time and some loose press clippings from like a newspaper story. Just nothing, you know, nothing that was in a folder, nothing. I just threw it in the in the thing and sent it to the White House. And about a week later, I'm on the road and I go check my phone when they had those uh, the the telephones on the side of the road that you could. Yep. Just- yep. So I checked my messages and uh, 
and I and it said we this is the White House. We'd like to invite no the Arsenal Quartet to the White House for Christmas. So we actually played for a dinner reception, a holiday dinner reception for President Clinton. And, uh, and it was wild, man. I mean, you oh, know, man. we had a, we had a saxophone all set up and ready to go. And this was, this was the day after the Monica Lewinsky thing, like just blew up. Oh man. Don't make me edit stuff out of this, but that's amazing. <laughs> it was just crazy. And then, um, <laughs> I know it was, it was crazy, but he was totally cool. He came in the room and, and he's a tall guy. He, I'm six, I'm about six, one. Okay. He's at least six, three, four. And he came in and I said, Mr. President, Eric Mintel, I said, we have a mutual friend in Dave Brubeck. He goes, oh, ah, yeah. Dave Brubeck. I just gave Dave Brubeck the National Medal of the Arts Award, which he did like the month prior. Yeah, yeah. And then fast forward to 2011, I had said, my girlfriend said, you know, you should try to call the White House again. And I said, oh, man, there's no way. I, that was just a once in a lifetime thing. There's no way I'd ever, you know, ever be able to get back that. She goes, oh, just try it again. Try it again. So wow. I had the phone. I had the phone number in my phone still. And yeah. you know, so I, I called it and they said, oh, yeah, what you, they knew who I was. What's your availability for December 14th of 2011? So, <laughs> so, wow. so we did a, a concert for um, a President and Mrs. Obama, which oh, was man. which was really cool. And then at the end of that, um, at the end of our set, they take us into what's called the diplomatic room. And that's where okay. I met Clinton too. Okay. And took us in there. And uh, again, and it was kind of, you know, you see him on TV and you don't really make the register, but there he is. He's alive. He's, wow. a, he's a real. So we went up there and I shook his hand and I said, Mr. President, uh, I said, again, we have a mutual friend in Dave Brubeck because he knew, he knew Dave Brubeck as well. Oh, and, sure. he, and he says, Dave Brubeck was the very first jazz concert I went to go see with my father Oh, wow. So there were some really great connections there. And they were great people. They just loved jazz. And uh, it was Uh, really, really cool. Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you for sharing those memories. Those those are that's that's fantastic. But that was through Jeremiah. I got to also share that was that was through complete, utter grassroots. I have never had an agent. I've never had a manager. Nothing. I've always just called up and asked. So if anybody ever gets anything from this, just ask. That's so that's one of the best pieces of advice I've gotten that too. And some of the best interviews I've gotten are because I just, I found a connection somehow and just asked, don't be freaked out. Like, Oh, such and such would never talk to me. And they say, if they say no, don't worry about it. Exactly. You're you're okay. You're, you're okay to get a few no's, but you get the yes. And that's pretty awesome. Um, man, man, (laughs) Eric, that that story is going to be with me for a while. That is a good story. Um, how do oh, you? I, guess, got, I, got, I got several tonight. That's good. Gonna I be can good. tell. I can tell you're you're, you're a good story guy for sure. You're scarred tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scarred after some of those videos. My goodness. Um, how do you best summarize what you do with Eric Mantel uh, investigates? We'll be right back. Hey, it's Pat Flynn here, host of the award-winning podcast, The Smart Passive Income Podcast, which was created to help you learn how to become an entrepreneur. And in the simplest way, too, you know, entrepreneurship can be very difficult. I like to simplify things. And I interview people like Josh Hall and Shane and Jocelyn Sams and Maria Fela. Who are they? Well, they're people just like you, people who have taken action after listening to the show and have built a business that has changed their lives. And I'd love to share an episode with you that I think will inspire you to get started, too. Check out the link in the description or go to smartpassiveincome.com slash 122 to get inspired, get what you need to get started, and change your life. You got this, and thank you. Well, you know, what we do is we're really paranormal tourism, if you really think about okay. it. You know, yeah. what we're doing is we are we're telling stories and going to these incredible places um, that have great ties to history, and then they also have a paranormal history to it as well. I mean, with, in my jazz career, and one of the reasons why I started this is because we would perform in all these wonderful, you know, theaters and all these, um, you know, maybe in a bed and breakfast or something like that, and or these concert halls. And it, inevitably, they would come up to me and say, and I wouldn't even ask. They'd say, oh, yeah, and by the way, the place is haunted. Oh, wow. So that got me thinking, wow, wouldn't it be cool to do a show where jazz musicians you know, we play that gig that night. Then we go back later at night and investigate the, the, yeah. the theater. 
which is kind of Scooby Dooish, you know, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. Which I which I love, and I think that was kind of like the the idea behind that as well, but in a in a in a serious format, you know. Um, and I know a lot of these shows take that Scooby Doo format too. That's the that's right. a lot, yeah, you know, and it's cool because yeah. it works. I mean, and the day and age that we're in right now with paranormal, it is white hot right now because people mm-hmm. are more open minded to telling their story. They're more yep. open-minded to, uh, you know, maybe not even 10 years ago, they didn't want to tell their story, but there are people that are now more open to telling, you know, their, about their experiences. But so it's it's really paranormal tourism. And when COVID hit, we were thriving doing video because the thought, my thought process was, look, you know, once everybody can get out of their houses again, you know, people are going to want to go see these wonderful places. Oh, yeah. And and that's what we do. So we tell story, we're telling stories and one of the other reasons why I do this is not only um, the videos are available on our YouTube page and, and Facebook, but I also have a TV show, which is on cable. It's also on uh, streaming networks as well, on oh. like Amazon Fire TV and Roku, Apple TV. Um, it's on Saturday nights at 11 o'clock through Princeton Television. So if people add Princeton Television to their smart TV, Heck yes. They could see it every Saturday night at 11 o'clock, all of our different videos, um, if they don't have YouTube or, or Facebook. Um, and then on in the Lehigh Valley, uh, Pennsylvania, it's up on 10 o'clock on Sunday nights on uh, the Service Electric uh, TV2. So that's so, you know, the, those are two other areas. But the streaming services, we, we have access to 100 million homes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's huge. And uh, so people love what we're doing. Uh, we're getting sponsors all the time, um, you know, and we put videos out there. And like you said, I am such I humor is such an important part of what we do. It really is. Because, you know, uh, w- when we do experience, I mean, we do experience some incredible things and we have been capturing some unbelievable stuff on video. I mean, it's just like the, with this beast of Bray Road, Oh, uh, yeah. investigation alone that changed my whole perspective on the dogman phenomena, which I had heard about, but I didn't really put too much into it. But oh my god, that night was just just absolutely mind blowing. From from what I've seen so far, th- there's there's a there's a few scenes in in your videos about the Beast of Bray Road where I was like, oh wow, so they captured that lie, like that's crazy yeah. i captured that live it was it nuts was, it was crazy i should we talk yeah. about it should we talk about uh, it we'll we'll get there in a little bit i know people are like come on stop, <laughs> stop batting around um but i do want there's an important part coming up and i i gave you the questions ahead of time so yeah uh you know what's coming but um being primarily a, a paranormal investigator um I, i'm always curious about this because sometimes I feel like certain paranormal investigators and we won't like say names or anything, but like they view cryptids as maybe being like second tier, but like, how is it that you are viewing uh, cryptids uh, as a, as a paranormal investigator, things like Bigfoot, uh, Beast of Bray Road, things like that. As like on a top tier, you know, as far as like, yeah. Are you taking them seriously or, you know, things like that? Yeah. You know, Jeremiah, I, 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 sometimes I, especially in the ghost situation, I will take that a little bit more skeptically. Mm. Um, then I will a Bigfoot or a UFO because I've had UFO uh, experiences. So I know that's more of a serious subject for me. Um, and with the Bigfoot phenomena, um, I mean, the litmus test for Bigfoot is that Patterson Gimlin film. Yeah, I mean, that is not a guy in a suit. I'm sorry. People are going to, you know, they, no, it's not. It's just I mean, it's, and those guys were there that day. They just were in the right place at the right time. And. And they got that. They it's caught wild. it. So not only that, but then some of the experiences we recently had with with Bigfoot, which we'll get into as well with some uh, Bigfoot researcher friends of mine who uh, we did an investigation of in the New Jersey Pine Barrens and and actually got evidence there on on camera. And uh, and so. So, yeah, I take the the uh, I take that subject seriously because. You know, there's a lot of people that are seeing this creature all over the all over the country, all over the world, really. Um, but especially here in, you know, even in the mid in the Midwest, mm-hmm. you know, Idaho, uh, your area. I mean, this is oh, yeah, this is huge. So, you know, you can't discount 
millions of people that are actually seeing some kind of creature. I mean, I talked to a gentleman who, who had, uh, he said he had seen as a nine-year-old kid, he didn't even talk about this for years. And he opened up about it saying that he saw like a whirlwind of light Ooh. that all of a sudden it was like a tornado of light. And out of the tornado of light stepped two huge Bigfoot creatures. Really? So wow. where were they? Were they in, was he in a portal? Was he in mm. some kind of tear in the fabric of time and space? Right. I, don't know. I mean, there's so many different theories about that. Um, so I never discount people. You know, you can, I'm a pretty good judge of like, okay, what's, what's real, what's not real. Right. But when you have people who have that, the emotional quality behind their voice and you can hear their desperation. You can what tell. They want to try to, what they want to try to figure out what this is. Yeah. That's what, that's what I feel with Lee Hample on, on yes. Beast of Bray Road. Exactly. Lee is just not only a phenomenal guy, but he is genuinely perplexed as to finding out what the hell this thing is. Yep. He knows what it is, but he just, we're just trying to figure out what is it and why is it not being shown up on the trail cams? Why is it being like, it's invisible. Crazy. But it's there. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I got, I got a story to tell you later that All right. blow your mind, man. Oh my goodness. Um, the, the cool <laughs> thing that I've started to, I've made a focus with this podcast. One of the big things is I like my listeners to be able to uh, feel like they're taking something solid away from it that can really help them. And as they start their own investigation and their research and feel like, Oh, I got to write this down, right? This is good, good advice. Do you mind if we take a few minutes? Do you have any, uh, uh, any good advice for those that might be wanting to start uh, investigating uh, cryptids themselves, anything to keep in mind, uh, best yeah. practices, stuff like that. I would say just um, do as much research as you can on the, a particular area that you're, you know, you're trying to investigate, whether it's mm. big or dog man, um, you know, try to find out the main thing is see if you could get witnesses to talk. Okay. That would be the main thing too, because uh, if you can get witnesses to talk about their experience, um, that gives you a little bit more of a direction on where to go. Uh, you know, and the other thing is what we just talked about, just ask, you know, don't yeah. be afraid to ask. Um, but yeah, I would say, and also make sure that where you're going to investigate, make sure it's legal too, that you're <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so true. You go into that so area. True. Yeah. You know, we were in a, we were in a cornfield and all of a sudden we heard gunshots. Oh no. So I was like, I was like, I don't know. We better get the hell out of here. We're not in Pennsylvania anymore. <laughs> it's time to get so out. We, we beat feet out of there. So, yeah. anyway, but, you know, it, but yeah, I mean, those kind of things and just mainly the research, just uh, uh, the research and what they're actually. And also don't get too crazy as far as like, don't get too excited if you hear sounds and you hear things and think that, you know, right away that that's something there. Okay. Um that would be my main, main concern. And, uh, you know, and just be prepared, be prepared for, for anything that could happen. Mm. And that's one thing I didn't do. And we'll talk about okay. that. Too. Gotcha. When you're looking into, let's say going into, uh, you're saying researching a certain area, what, what, a certain, are you always, uh, relying on certain resources, uh, in order to research that area out? Uh, do you have any go-to resources for things like that? Uh, well, you know, you got to look at the, the local lore or the local, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, look at some, so like, so in my area here in Bucks County, uh, yeah. you know, there's a lot of ghost stories. There's a lot of, uh, venues that are attached that have ghost stories. So, you know, you read about the ghost stories. A lot of people have written books about this particular area. So, you know, obviously you consult the books, you consult the internet, try to look and see if there's been any stories written about those particular places and look for the clues. Look for the clues of what can I investigate that hasn't been investigated before. Oh, you know, like maybe like something that. like something that doesn't, it's kind of, you know, because we get all the time that people had no clue that there was an underground railroad in this place that we that we oh, wow. investigated, where yeah. they've been passing it every day for the last 20 years, but never knew uh, it had major ties to the underground railroad. Mm. Even, now we did this uh, a place called the Wedgwood Inn in New Hope, Pennsylvania. Okay. And what blew me away was the the owners bought it in 1982, and then in 1999, he looks at his foundation of his building and says, "Why is my foundation crumbling here?" 
and okay. he, goes, he goes and puts a light in there. And here there's like a, a 15 foot tunnel. Whoa. Under the house and with a complete with an escape hatch and everything. And that, and the Delaware river is right there. So they, Oh, wow. Delaware secret staircase inside the house as well. Man. So what blew me away was here. He's, he's standing on this for 17 years, walking back and forth. No idea. No idea it was there. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Dude, that's, that's good <laughs> advice. You seem to have a lot of really good tech with you from the videos that I've seen. What, what are you carrying in your field bag when you're going out to investigate? What kind of thing you got must have all stuff in that bag. Are you kidding me? No. Yeah. <laughs> we, no. <laughs> we have very minimal stuff. Oh, wow. Okay. We have one, literally one camera that we oh, use. Oh, wow. One camera, maybe two, um, but usually one camera. Um, and we usually use it on, if we're at night, we'll use the night vision. Um, but the the one thing that we've really gotten lately is uh, lavalier uh, microphones. Which oh, are, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're called Cinco, and they're great, great wireless mics. If people are out there doing video... I highly recommend those those uh, lavaliers, um, and they're they're really easy to use, and they've got a great range to them, and they pick up the great sound as well. Um, yeah, and but if we're doing a ghost investigation or anything like that, we'll um, I have a magnetometer that we use we use, um, and for the Bigfoot investigations, we have infrared, um, and again the night vision, you know, and then your typical flashlight. Uh, but we also when we're doing uh, ghosts will also do a, um, uh, EVP. So we'll have a voice recorder sure. yep. and, uh, which we've actually caught some disembodied voices on this Yo. recorder, Yikes. which has been phenomenal. Um, and that's really it. You know, we don't have a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, tech. I've got, uh, maybe one or two people usually on camera following us around. And, uh, and then sometimes, uh, it's what my team member, Dominic Sattel, mm -hmm. who has been with me. Well, I've known Dominic since high school. And it was, so all these years went by and Dominic came into the team in 2017. And then I'd later find out he's a spirit medium. Never knew this. Oh, weird. Yeah. So now, Dominic, Yeah. And so yeah, Dominic, right. when Dominic goes on the cases with us, when we're doing a ghost investigation, he's giving us like a preview of what we're, what we're about to see. Now oh, I'll, wow. I'll go into a place and I'll, I'll get the history of this particular venue. I won't tell Dominic. We also work with another spirit medium, Karen Luchin. She's in our videos as well. I won't tell either of them any of the history of that place. So when we go there, I can I know the history and I could corroborate with them whether or not what they're feeling at that particular time and see if they're picking up on what I already know. Um, and 99% of the time, they're right on the money. That's so that's some crazy stuff. But Dominic Dominic was with me for the Beast of Bray Road, and I'll tell you, this was yeah. completely completely out of his wheelhouse it was just yeah it was freaky freaked him out so here's a question we'll start talking about beast of brace rose stuff did he pick up any weird stuff when he was up there you know i gotta think here i think he did but he didn't get okay. any kind of like okay. ghost type things he okay. was but he was feeling like a very weird energy. Like weird, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's very And, that's and very that came, that did come into play later on. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. <clears throat> so let's, you're, it seems like you have a, a big focus on, well, especially right now, you have a huge focus on Beast of Bray Road because you are premiering, uh, I mean, right, almost right after this, you're, you're premiering a new video about yep. the Beast of Bray Road. And then you're going on Coast to Coast AM later tonight, right? Actually, that was la that was this morning. Oh my goodness! Wow, I, you must be so tired. I was on this morning from three to five. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. You must be like oh, exhausted. Dude. I got I got a couple hours of sleep. I never sleep. All right, anymore. all right. Cool. <laughs> but it was that was a that was phenomenal show last night as well. And, oh, yeah. uh, and I was looking forward to this today because I like I you know what you're doing is you and I are like uh, in sync as far as what you know our thought process is about totally. this. You know. Totally. So I was really looking forward to this tonight. I appreciate that. So let's start out with this. So let's say hypothetically, there's someone listening to this that was like Beast of Bray Road. What's that? So how is it that you summarize what's this cryptid? What's it all about with the Beast of Bray Road first? Yeah, I'll. That's a great question. Okay. And uh, basically, the Beast of Bray Road is supposed to be an upright canine, dogman okay. type werewolf creature, cryptid. 
Yeah. Um, bipedal, standing on two legs, mm. very, very fast, very fast, red glowing eyes. Uh, and that's what the reports that people have seen, especially Lee on the property. Right. Um, so he, and it's, it's almost like it's so fast. This is the other thing that we've been getting lately. And it's got a very strange gait. It can go also walk on all fours, okay. but it's also on two legs as well. Um, people have been seeing this now. This goes all the way back to 1936 when the first reports of this happened. Mm-hmm. Is this the same creature from 1936? I don't think so. I think there's a family. There's got to be a family or of, of these things. Because, you know, if it was from the 30s, it would, you know, it'd be how ancient would it be right now, you know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so I think there's a family of these creatures there. Oh, man. And um, so that's what it is. It's a, a, like, for all intents and purposes, like a werewolf. Oh, and so if you, if you start to get into cryptids, like, there are, everyone uh, has their own take on the Beast of Bray Road. But the thing I love about your show, Eric, is that you have a take on it that, I mean, you are doing stuff in your investigations and like that. I don't want to give it away. I really don't want to give it away what you did with the, the mannequin, yeah. but it is so unique. And I'm like, that is the coolest thing ever. Like, and it's oh, also gotta, humorous too. But. Oh, yeah. oh, absolutely. I got to tell you though. It's funny because yeah. um, Ellen, I have to go back to the team member now. So our team members for this and, and how this video came to be uh, initially was our friend and fan of ours, Ellen Collins. And she's on our team as well. Okay. She loves what we do with the videos and sponsored a couple of videos for us initially, you know, uh, that we did early on. And she, we were talking about the beast of Bray road and she said, you know, we should do a video on the beast of Bray road. And I said, that would be, I would love to do that. I said, you know, it's just really going to boil down to logistics. Like, how are we going to get out there and money? Like it's, I've got to edit this thing and it's going to be a lot of work to do that. So she wound up paying for the whole thing. She paid for it. She paid for us to go out there and for me to edit it. And that was the first time. And this follow-up she did as well. That's amazing. So we are, we are forever. We love Ellen Collins. She is phenomenal. And she's, uh, and we're all on the same page. Like our, my, one of my favorite shows is mountain monsters with Trapper and all those. For real dude. Yes. Love that show. <laughs> They're so good. They're Trapper really good. had, Trapper had some of the best one-liners, man. They were oh, that's good. the best. So that was one of the, when you talked about humor, that's my initial thought process was I wanted to kind of approach the show similar to that when, if we're going out on a Bigfoot hunt or something like that. But as we progress now, I I know that it's more of a serious thing because what we're doing is really, we're in a dangerous situation. And, you Mm -hmm. know, sometimes that stuff could be manufactured on, you know, on, on TV, but what we were doing was completely, you know, for real. And, and like I said, we were not prepared whatsoever. And that was, that was my fault. So it sounded like that. It sounded like there's almost a thing that that took, that took the whole situation and made it much more serious. Is there, there was there a turning point in the investigation where things got like, you're like, Whoa, what is going on here? Well, yes. Uh, I mean, if we could talk about you want to talk about it now? Do you want to start talking about it? As yeah, totally. As- yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because um, there is there was a trifecta of paranormal oh, wow. activity that happened okay. that night. Let's do and, it. But I have to start earlier in the day. Okay. Because it, earlier in the day on October 3rd, uh, we met up with Lee Hample. And, mm. it, and your listeners are familiar with Lee. He owns a 35-acre hay field, hay farm in Elkhorn, Wisconsin. And it's right. He's two tenths of a mile from Bray Road, right? So he's getting. So that's where all this activity has been happening on his farm. When he bought when he bought the farm uh, in 2007, he didn't start farming there until uh, 2011, I think it was. And uh, and his oh no, then 2013, I think was one of his first encounters. But he said his neighbor, his farmer neighbor, said, "Oh, by the way, the creature lives on your property." So have fun. Lee's like, what? (laughs) Good luck with that. So then, so, and Lee is, Lee had no interest whatsoever in the paranormal. Nothing. He was a retired math teacher. Okay. He was a farmer, you know, early on, but then it was 35 years uh, retired uh, with math teacher in uh, Wakanda, Illinois. And uh, so he had no, no interest in the paranormal 
until he had his own encounter, which yeah. changed his whole perspective. And then started taking all of this seriously. And his data that he has, pictures, video, he's kept that completely pure, untainted. And just some of the pictures and video will blow you away. Mm, I mean, yeah. But so earlier in the day, Lee took us down to the field where all of this activity took place. Um, Ellen's son, Scott, was with us. And he's our drone operator. He was also our camera operator. Uh, uh, Scott does, he builds high-tech drones, high-end, okay. really fast drones. Um, so he wears virtual reality glasses. When oh, yeah, cool. He wears yeah. it, right? So we're in the field. Lee's taking us down. Lee's on a tractor. We're on four-wheelers going down because it's 35 acres. It's a long, long way to go. Yeah. So we went down there. Scott's trying to follow us on the on the through his goggles and through the the uh, drone. Oh, we man. Di we disappeared. We disappeared in the field. What? We completely disappeared. Whoa, dude. So there was a there was some kind of thing happening, which yeah. was a, like a portal type situation. Whoa. Lee has pictures of portals. Now I know that sounds really out there. No way, dude. It's when I, I kid you not. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. But it's like, so we go down there and I didn't find this out till later that Scott couldn't find us on there. And then finally found us when we, when we got through this one area Oh man! and then we were down at the bait area talking to Lee. So that was the first thing. So electronic disturbances happened all night long. Thank God our camera worked. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that was the first thing. So we, we get down there and then Lee took us to the barn later on that afternoon and showed us more pictures and video. Just, I mean, stuff that just incredible stuff. Um, lights going through the field uh, or going oh. through the woods. Yeah. Wow. It reminded me of the Rendlesham Forest UFO yep. incident. Yep. Now we went over to the woods this time around. There's no way it could be vehicles or anything going through the woods because the woods are so thick. You'd have to stop every second to get through the trees, you know, if you were driving on a four-wheeler at night, but these lights were just straight on through, just, oh. it was just spookiest thing ever. So, um, so this, so we go out, I said to Lee, I said, thank you so much for, you know, show, giving us full access to the farm. And he goes, just be careful out there. So, oh. so we get out there and Dominic goes, initially, he says, do you want to take the four-wheelers? Do you think we should just walk down there? I don't want to scare anything away. Well, that didn't matter. <laughs> I said, we, <laughs> we, we took the four wheelers down and it was within literally Jeremiah within five minutes, we had activity happening. Really? So, earlier, it looked like it was cloudy. It looked like it was going to rain. So I okay. thought, and we're probably going to, this is, we're going to scrub the investigation. Well, anyway, so we look up, it's completely clear over the, over the field that we were in. It, it cleared up completely. So the first thing Dominic gets off the four wheeler, we're starting to set up to what to investigate this area, and Scott had a GoPro as well in the tree on the bait area too. Oh, okay. Um. So he had a GoPro on there. So Dominic looks up and goes, "What the hell is that?" And here it was a solid orb of light going over the field. It was for all, for all intents and purposes, it was a UFO. Oh, you man. could see. I mean, you could see other planes you could see planes blinking and they were there this thing was a solid orb just going over the field very fast and as it's going over we're trying to figure out what the hell it is and then as we're talking it does like a little 45 degree angle and disappears oh and man you could see it all on the video that the video is called the beast of bray road alive and well people could see that. that was the first thing so right after that this this was the craziest thing ever so and again I'm going for your listeners. I'm going out there thinking that we're going to do a great story and we're going to do this great documentary, not thinking we'd actually run into this creature. So this, the second thing that happened was we hear this howl in the distance. It's wild. It's a very, very faint howl. Then mm -hmm. a second closer. Mm. Dominic goes to Ellen. Are you hearing this? And she goes, yeah, it's coming over from that way. And as she says that, the third howl, it was the most, I can't even describe what it is. It was not a wolf. It wasn't a coyote. It wasn't a fox, an owl, nothing like that. Yeah. It actually sounded like a man screaming. Oof. It was like a real guttural howl scream yeah. that just kept going. Oh my God. And we had a witness, a state worker that actually talked to me 
and he didn't want his face on camera. Okay. He had a coworker describe the same thing that they, that we heard really when they, when they got out to check some uh, power lines up in that area. So they heard the same thing we did. So it was startling, man. And here's the other thing. We had those little lavalier microphones on. Yep. This picked it up. That's and those are small mics. That's how loud this thing was. Oh wow, yeah. To pick up that sound. So that right away changed my whole perspective. I'm like, there's definitely something here. And it was just like and you know, here we are. I have a flashlight and a radio. That's it. We have no protection whatsoever. Yeah. You know? Oh and, man. So I'm like, oh my God. So we um we so we stayed out there though. We stayed out. We still stayed out there to figure out what was going on, what what where this thing was coming from. Scott shined the light over to where we heard the howl, and over in and the corn was up at this point. This corn was still up. Oh sure, yeah. This, this particular follow up that we did, the corn was down this time, but this the this time in October of last year, the corn was still up. He shines the light over there, and you could see I shine in the corn, and this thing is about supposed to be about seven feet tall. And here it's seven foot up in the corn in the tree line. And you could see the eyes going like this. It was dancing around, like stalking us. So that really right there, I said to myself, oh, we're in a we're we're in a dangerous situation here because we could hear rustling going on behind us as well. And there was no wind. It was completely dead silent, no wind, dead calm, except for the, the howl and 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 this rustling sound. So I started getting like, well, look we might want to get out of here. You know, <laughs> you know yeah. we might want to get the hell out of here. So we still, we still stuck it out a little bit. You know, this was in like within 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. That's nuts. It was just crazy. So the third thing that happened, the, the other trifecta here was that there was a weird mist that came up from the field. No way. Oh man. So here's the other thing that, and I'm sure you, your listeners, I'm sure you know about this. There's a mist that's also associated with Bigfoot. I've heard of that. Yep. Bigfoot sightings. There's yep. so was this also a Bigfoot there? Because there also was tracks. There were square tracks that Lee and his brother Fred found that mm. we call the knuckle walkers, you know. Okay, um, yeah. Yeah. They were like square tracks. But all of a sudden this weird mist comes up and we're like, what the hell? And then it was cutting out the electronics. That was the other thing. It was Ooh. cutting. Then suddenly our, our microphones were starting to cut in and out. Um, and so I said to the guy, I said to Ellen and Dominic, I said, look, you know, guys, we, we, we really should get out of here. You know, I said, I, I really don't want to put anybody in a dangerous situation. I want to keep everybody safe. And, uh, and they said, yeah, let's get out of here. <laughs> so sure. literally within like, we were only out there maybe 45 minutes, if that. And we were already back to Lee's barn, back to the hotel. And here's the other thing, Jeremiah, later on that night, the entire town of Elkhorn went out of power. Really? It lost power. Oh boy. That's, that's very, weird. Very, yeah. very weird, man. And, uh, and I had, so in the, the, in the morning I looked on my, on my hotel room floor and I had a stick I must've brought back from, from Lee's, Lee's property. And I go, Dom, look, I found, I got a stick. He's like, you brought it back with you, didn't you? <laughs> Dude, that is the crazy story. That's October of 2021. Yeah, that was all, that was okay. all, all the night of October 3rd, 2021. Okay. And then you guys were also at the, uh, the conference in April in we 2022, were. right? One footnote to that story. Okay. Jeremiah, real quick was, yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I got to tell you, this is again, with these electronic disturbances, Scott's GoPro didn't capture anything. Oh man. Lee, wow. Lee said that the trail camera that was down there by the bait area, it shut off at five o'clock that night mm. and it didn't go on again till seven o'clock the next morning. And guess what? The bones were gone. All the steak bones that I had baited that area, they were gone. Oh man. So, you know, I don't know what, yeah. Could have yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was just, it was the most freakiest night, man. And we were just, we were really for months after, you know, for a good three, four months and still kind of like trying to wrap our heads around what the hell happened. Um, and then this time around, yeah, we were there in April and, uh, and it was really, the, the weather was really tough this time around. It was kind of cold and windy and mm. uh, but we got, but we got some great, great stuff. But uh, what I loved about this particular video this time around 
was we did a town hall meeting. It's so on, good. On yep. the night of April 28th. Wait until you see. I mean, the, when people see this, I mean, there were so many people that came out for and told their stories. And again, we're not afraid to tell their story. Um, and it was just, it again, reiterates the fact that there's something there. There's definitely something there. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's it was amazing. So as a investigator, the paranormal investigator, you're in ghost UFOs, cryptids. What do you think is going on up there? Is some maybe some kind of window area or we just have no idea. This is weird. Um, well, I, th- I seriously think I had said to Lee, I said, do you think this is a portal? He said, absolutely. Yeah. He absolutely believes that. And I'm starting to believe that as well, wow. because why would that? And I, I had the thinking of when we saw that orb going over the field, Lee has pictures during the day of these strange orbs that are in the sky and inside the, this clear orb, it looks like there's a, a figure inside the orb. That looks like it's outstretched like this, like a creature. It looks like it's like a cross inside this orb. And I thought to myself, could this have been deposited that night? Could they have come from the from the orb? Could they have wow. come from the UFO? Because I'm a big believer too, and I know a lot of people are on the fence about it, but I'm always a big believer in the Bigfoot UFO connection. Sure. Um, and one of our friends, Art Mack, who is a Bigfoot researcher, yep. which we'll talk about for our Bigfoot, he has a he had a pretty cool uh uh, analogy as far as that goes with Bigfoots and UFOs, but, but that area, oh, for sure. There is definitely some kind of portal, uh, there because the, the oh, energy man. that place changes at night. It's definitely changes that's at night. Weird. Yeah, dude, that's so good. Everyone needs to go watch all the beast of Bray road stuff you got. Cause the stuff I've seen, it blew me away and the stuff that's coming sounds really good too. But dude, let's talk about, uh, so you've also looked for, You've done some Bigfoot stuff in New Jersey. Let's chat about that. What was that like? My God. Well, that was well, here. So it's a week after we get back from Elkhorn. Oh, man. Really? And, I mean, we were just like, we were like, boom, boom, boom. Investigation after investigation. And uh, a good friend of ours, Eric Spinner and mm-hmm. Art Mack. They're, they're Bigfoot researchers um, in this in Medford, New Jersey area. Um, in, uh, I guess central New Jersey. And I did a, a Bigfoot investigation with Eric in July of 2020. Okay. And we did a, a video where, you know, there were reports of, of juvenile Bigfoots in this particular area of the Pine Barrens. And, um, and Bill Burns from UFO Hunters uh, is in some of the videos with us as well. And, um, but we did this investigation during the day. And uh, we, it was pretty much just kind of like a documentary type video at that point but when we came back from elkhorn a week later we're going now to the pine barrens in new jersey at night at night yep and it's pitch black i mean we go where we went into an area of this area called the bowl now this is an area that has had a lot of activity a lot and uh in it the way it's configured it's very like it's like a bowl it's like high on the sides and and low in the middle so we went about this night, we went, it was me and Dominic and Art and Eric and Eric's wife and Eric's daughter was actually helping us film. So we go five miles into the, uh, into the Pine Barrens on, on the fire roads that are in the Pine Barrens. And then we park and I mean, there is not a soul around. There's no houses, nothing, Yeah, nothing around. So we got out of the truck and went about 600 yards into the, into the woods and set up base camp. So, you know, we start the, we start the cameras and we start to get the lights on. We have a night vision mode and everything. And we talked to Eric about, you know, his protocols as far as how does he do his Bigfoot research, you know, with tree knocks and what kind of equipment he brings. Dominic's talking to Art. And as he's talking to Art, all of a sudden we hear whoop. Whoa, man. Like that. Yep. And I said to myself, and here's the other thing. I sometimes watch the Bigfoot programs and right. I, I, I always laugh half the time when they're, when yeah, exactly. they're yeah, yeah. Right? I get it. They're I get it. And hollering. But I was like, I'll be damned if that's not what we heard. <laughs> we heard it. Yeah. I, oh, and now I, I respect them now. <laughs> yeah. And I said, my God, that was like, so we heard that played it back. We could, it, cause Eric had some really high powered microphones and you could definitely hear it uh, better than what was on my video. Wow. Um, so here it was. So then Eric's wife starts answering it back 
and she starts whooping back to it and it's answering back. And this happened like four or five times. But here's the other thing. You could hear a huge rustling sound behind us that it was completely pitch black, but you couldn't see anything. But you could also, there were some pinpoints of red light that we could also see that was just very, very strange. But you could hear this. So what we thought was, this was probably the the something, Mama Bigfoot or whatever, coming to get, because it sounded like a juvenile Bigfoot, which mm. is what people have been reporting. Okay. Um, you know, we didn't see it. I got to reiterate that we did not see anything. We just heard it. But again, it was that that epiphany of like, my God, there's something here. You know, and and it wasn't it wasn't birds, anything like that. It wasn't a goose because you could definitely tell the difference between this. This was this was like another one of those guttural type of whoops, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. We did. And then we that was a really weird night, man. We, we spent a couple hours out there and that was, uh, you know, so I turned off the night vision so people could see what it actually looked like. OK. Pitch black. Not you that. couldn't see anything. We had maybe a sliver of a moon and that was about it. Um, but man, it was just so wild. And I was like, man, we are capturing some incredible footage here that some of the mainstream shows aren't even getting. Yeah. You know, dude, that is, man, (laughs) you, you have some crazy encounters. Yeah. I always love to, to ask any of my guests that, and I talk to a lot of, a lot of my guests are Bigfoot related. Um, but I got to put you on the spot. Like what, what do you think Bigfoot is like? Well, Tom Carey and I, I had mentioned Tom Carey, who's a, who's an anthropologist. Um, he has a classification for a uh, Bigfoot. And now I'm, I'm, I'm going to kick myself here because I can't remember what the actual classification is. It's a, a pro, oh man, gigantic. It's well, not gigantopithecus because people always think that Bigfoot is a, is a ancestor of gigantopithecus. Uh, proantho, I think it was a uh, oh, paranthropus. Yes. Paranthropus. Yeah. So for Eric, yeah, agrees with that too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So uh, that's what we think it is. It's got the sagittal crest. Yep. Um, the muscles that go to like you see in the in the Patterson Gimlin film. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's what it is. Um, it's a it's it's something that hasn't really been classified because it's it's something that has not been really uh, it's been studied, uh, but it hasn't really been classified as of yet. Yeah. Um, there was a gentleman up the street from here who was, I've read a story in his, uh, in the newspaper about his Bigfoot encounter. And, uh, it was in Northern Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and he swears, I mean, he had, uh, you know, activity outside of his tent, uh, howls and, and just, it was just right outside of his tent, saw footprints in the morning. The weird, the crazy thing is, uh, his, I think his brother was in the military and he was do- at the Pentagon. It was doing a pinning ceremony for Yikes. You know, to go to the next level of the military. Yep. And he was invited down to for that. And as he's walking through the Pentagon, he sees a he sees a door, and over the door it says Bigfoot Research Center. No, stop it, stop it. <laughs> so it's like that's amazing, dude. Do they know what's going? Do they- and there's been like government uh, contracts that are studying those. No, that's, that's legit. That is legit. Yeah. Yeah. You can find like, uh, yeah, no, that there are stories out there. I I agree with you. I agree with you a hundred percent, dude, man, you have got some amazing stories. I just had something popping in my head. You being in Pennsylvania, have you ever considered like going out to the chestnut, uh, Ridge area and doing investigations out there? Oh yeah. Yeah. Something there. I, uh, I want to work it out where if, if any of your listeners or philanthropists out there, you know, uh, help Jeremiah out as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Eric. <laughs> no, He's but seriously, an investigation. But, um, but no, seriously, you know, we uh, again, we got to ask, right? Yeah, um, we do. Yeah, because we're putting out this is great content, and but there, the Chestnut Ridge, mm-hmm. unbelievable accounts going Crazy, on. Crazy dude. So there is something going on down there. That mm-hmm. to me, the Chestnut Ridge is another portal type area. Sure, I really believe that. Um, what I was talking about with Bigfoot UFO, um, Art Mack, one of the researchers that was with us in the Pine Barrens, you know, we were talking about a lot of people don't think that there's any connection. I, I thought there would be a connection because you know Stan Gordon. I'm su- I'm sure you're familiar yes. with Stan. 
Yep. Uh, Stan had written a book called the Pennsylvania UFO Bigfoot Casebook. Mm-hmm. And the, in the summer of 73 and into 7, 1974, there were Bigfoot sightings all over That's Midwestern crazy. Pennsylvania. But not only Bigfoot sightings, but also UFO sightings. Oh, yeah. Which were accompanying Bigfoot. So it was just, I mean, so that to me was saying, well, are they are they coming from outer space? I don't know. That's what I don't know. But what I love what Art said was why not, if people are being abducted by extraterrestrials, why not Bigfoot? Yeah. Maybe maybe they want to find out. And maybe they're depositing him or it, you know, um, after they do their examination. That's why you're seeing the, the UFO and the Bigfoot together. Yeah. You know, it's just different ways of thinking. You know, I know it's pretty out there to think that way, but it's uh, that's why we're here. We're talking about all kinds of different ideas. And the cool thing about like, so this particular podcast is I try to get viewpoints from all over the place. So I talk to some people that are like, no, it's definitely just an ape to it's a, you know, relic, uh, you know, it's a missing link or it's a alien or like, you know, Ron Moorhead where it's like quantum Bigfoot, all different, all different ideas. And it's all, it's all cool. So yeah, Eric, it has been so fun to chat with you. I can't believe that like we are almost already done, but I, I, it's crazy, right? But I want to give you, I want to make sure that you are able to have the time to, you know, present again where people can keep up to date with everything you got coming out and yeah. uh, all that good stuff. Absolutely. Uh, thank you so much, man. Um, Yeah, they, they could find all of our videos on our YouTube channel. If they can like and subscribe to our channel, that would be phenomenal. It's Eric Mintel Investigates. Uh, and that's Eric Mintel, M-I-N-T-E-L, as you can see on the screen. And then... um. Uh, our Facebook page too is uh, Eric Mintel Investigates, same name. Um, we are very, very active um, on Facebook and and on uh, YouTube, and also on Instagram as well. I have Instagram; uh, it's Eric Mintel Investigates. Uh, but we're active. I interact with people. Um, anybody, you know, we got. I got some great uh, reviews from last night's show on Coast to Coast, and so I always oh, take man. the time. I always take the time to try to you know answer people. Because, you know, the, our audience, just like my jazz audience, is really important to us. So, you know, exactly. we're putting out some great content and I want to make sure that, you know, people enjoy what we do. And so far, people are are really digging what we're doing. You know, it's, it's I'm loving it. It's been a lot of fun, man. I'm so glad to make this connection with you and your show, man, because you are doing so many great Me things. Too. It's awesome. Dude, I'm I'm pumped to that you reached out and I, you know, we made it happen. And absolutely so excited. And dude. Uh, we'll have to do, you know, maybe in a, in a, it's some time in the future. We'll, we'll definitely catch up with you, but thanks again for coming on, Eric. This has been a fun chat. You got it, man. Thank you, Jeremiah. Good night, everybody. Real quick announcement before we head out. Uh, I've got the opportunity of going on my first Bigfoot expedition at the end of July. Currently, I'm uh, trying to raise money to buy gear for that. If you want to specifically support Bigfoot Society and, uh, you know, as I go into my first Bigfoot expedition, uh, feel free to do that by going over to the Bigfoot Society Etsy page and buying a t-shirt over there. That will help fund my gear for that expedition. Uh, You can also join the uh, Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Bigfoot forward slash the Bigfoot Society. I'm about to talk to that talk about that again in a few minutes but uh that's where you'll be able to see i'll be putting some interviews uh from that expedition plan is to put some extra content directly from that uh expedition into the patreon so definitely uh, support the podcast through there as well thanks thanks for listening to the bigfoot society podcast please take a few minutes to review the show on itunes five stars as it does help us get into the eyes and ears of more listeners on iTunes. Uh, That will help us just get bigger and bigger and get even better quality guests for future shows. Uh, Also, if you have any Bigfoot encounters or cryptid encounters, please send your stories and uh, audio and photos, whatever you've got, over to BigfootSociety at gmail.com. 
If you'd like to become more involved with Bigfoot Society and get some extra content, we do have a Patreon uh, where you can get all sorts of cool things. For example, for $7 a month, you get extra Bigfoot Society content, uh, usually interviews, but other things as well. You get a sweet membership card and a vinyl sticker that I send to you in the mail. You get access to the Bigfoot Society After Show, which is an extra interview after the main interview with the weekly guest. And usually they are up for uh, Patreon members to be in that extra show segment with them and me. And you get to ask your question live to them and get an answer from the guest which as you've seen what guest we've had in the past this could be a really big deal there's also a private discord where you can get involved with uh, talking to me one-on-one and the community there and that's always a great time you can find the patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash the bigfoot society we're very thankful for all our supporters that we have in so many different ways and appreciate uh, all our listeners coming back week after week to listen to more cryptozoology-based interviews. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Bigfoot Society. Any content provided by our guests are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone. Thank you.